welcome to the Messy Family Podcast. Catholic Conversations on Marriage and Family. Hosted by our parents, Mike Kernan and Alicia Hernan. They're pretty awesome, but they're not experts. Because family life is really messy. <laughs> Good afternoon or morning. No. <laughs> messy families. I don't know when you're listening, but it is great to have you with us. <laughs> Because we were realizing that we do have not only couples all over the country, but all over the world. So right. we never know when yeah. people are what listening, even zone. if they do it right away. And also it is a podcast, so people can be listening to it anytime. Anytime, right? And you could be up with the kids. You could be commuting on your way to work. You could be doing all sorts of awesome things. First of all, because of doing this ministry, Mike and I are now more prepared for Lent than ever. We used to never know when Lent was starting. Yeah. I would know uh, when, we, were when like we had Mardi rest- Gras. That's when I knew. <laughs> we were like the rest of you out there like, what? Oh, oh my gosh, it's Ash Wednesday, what? But now that we're doing this ministry and we have our Lenten program for couples, Cana 90, which walks you through the 40 days of Lent and the 50 days of Easter and helps give you, I was going to say, motivation and meditations for every day, but then also guides you through leaning in, if we'll say, to your vocation during Lent and to find the ways that you can become holier by being a better mother, a better father, a better wife, a better husband, and really you know, forming the commitments that you make for Lent around your vocation, which is your God-given path to holiness. Right. And all of the little crosses that live in your home with you (laughs) who are waking you up in the middle of the night or waking you up because they're crying or because they want to talk to you or study with you. That's right. right. But but anyway, so that's what Canaan 90 is about. And you can go ahead and sign up for that on our website. But we want to just talk even in general about Lent. Lent and your family, right? That's that's our topic for today. And so if we start first uh, with the idea of Lent and say, what's the purpose? What's the goal? of Lent. Uh, ultimately, it's, it's, it's a, a season that the church gives us to help mm-hmm. us become more holy, more intimate, more closely aligned with God in our life. And what we believe is that as a mom and a dad, as a husband and wife, the goal for Lent for you is about giving yourself more fully to your spouse and to your family. That's right. That's what we believe. It, That's it, how you grow in love. Right. And so it, it's, it's, it's about turning away from your desires, your right. wants, and you're orienting yourself, trying to do more, if you will, in giving yourself to God and in general, your neighbor, but who is your neighbor first? Love begins at home. Right. It's like a course correction, you know, if you will. And because it's really, and the reason we keep saying, um, you know, vocation, like turning more fully to your spouse and your family, because it's within your home that first of all, you have the grace to live out your life is within your marriage, right? Right, The grace of the sacrament of matrimony. That's where you're going to turn first. And this is also then when we respond to that grace, this is where you're going to find life. This is where you are really going to become more of who God wants you to be. So we really want to encourage you during Lent to like kind of stop and just like take stock of like, okay, where, where am I in my relationship with God? How am I doing in my relationship with my spouse and my with my children? Because it's re a reordering of those desires towards God. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it just it just strikes me that again, just recognizing where we are today and and reorienting ourselves. Because during this past pandemic, I think it has exposed some 
good things and also some weaknesses. And I think there have been a lot of folks that we, some of them that we've heard from, who've really struggled uh, with the sure. being so close to each other, getting on each other's nerves, right? And <laughs> and, 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 and and it's a real struggle, right? And that there's a genuineness. It's and I a talk, stress. And I talked mm-hmm. to a friend who said that they saw that there was an uptick in Google searches about divorce lawyers and stuff like that during yeah. this. This life can put more stress on our marriage. Or when we don't invest time in it, we're maybe drifting apart in our marriage or not focusing on being a mom and a dad. Mm -hmm. And and it takes energy and effort on our part. And this is a great time for us to reassess. How are we doing? Yeah. And and if you want to grow and if you're like, I don't want to settle anymore, I want to go more deeply, or maybe you're just saying, hey, we're pretty good, but I know I can do more. Yeah. Well, let's go there. And mm-hmm. um, this is about uh, that reordering, seeing where you are and reordering so that the first things are mm-hmm. first. So we're proposing this integral um, approach to Lent, right? And so just I just want to give you this little quote from John Paul from Krista Videlis Lecce, because we have to recognize as the laity, as married people in the world, we're not religious, okay? Right. We are not consecrated religious who are just living... Um, you know, I'm, I'm living in community, but still, we are not determining what we are doing just in a vacuum, just by right. ourselves. It's in the context of, of our it's, calling and our vocation, right? And John Paul tells us, he says, two temptations that can be cited, like by the laity, which they have not always known how to avoid: the temptation of being so strongly interested in church services and tasks that some fail to become actively engaged in the responsibilities in the professional, social, cultural, and political world. And we would say family, you know, the right, social. Right. And the temptation of legitimizing the unwarranted separation of faith from life. That is a separation of the gospel's acceptance from the actual living of the gospel in various situations in the world. So in other words, John Paul is saying, lady have two temptations. Either one, we kind of try to live like we are a religious. Right, right. That we're we just are, caught up in the things of the church. Caught up in the things or, of the church. Or that, and that's that the primary way is that we're at, at we're a lector church, which is a beautiful thing. Right, uh, But right. It, that's not our primary way that we are laity. That's not how we are to become holy. Or the other side is separating faith from life and saying, oh, well, here, I'm just going to go to church on Sundays or I'm just going to go to Station of the Cross, but I can come home and my faith doesn't affect how I treat my wife and my my children right. or my spouse and my children. Yeah, and the world as a whole. And 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 what the whole integral approach that we have is saying, take all of that in. <laughs> Look at who you are you and are how one you were person. designed, right? And, and it's like if you're married and it's and and you're going to be choosing something to do during Lent that takes you away from your marriage and working on and becoming a better husband or a better father or a better mother, I can tell you with great discernment, that's probably not what you should be yeah, doing. Yeah. And that's what we want to do is say, we sometimes go and look out and say, okay, I'm going to give up all these sacrifices, out external things, which again, there's nothing wrong with giving up chocolate for Lent, but we're mm-hmm. saying, let's do something more to the heart of your unique calling by God, your unique vocation. Right. Um, and that we can't uh, underestimate the power and the benefit that the little sacrifices mm. of living in your family is. And I'm not saying that, you know, I used to joke and say, yeah, my wife is my cross. <laughs> and there are some days where that feels more true than others, right? And right I know the same, I, I know, I, I knew that was coming. 
Um, but but the reality is that all of these things are actually here and engineered yes. and designed for us. Yes, you know? yes. And um, and I think that's that's important to not waste. I remember um, a priest said to us, was it? Um, I can't remember who said it, but was it a pope? I, I you'll remember who said this. But, oh yeah, that pope um, we were talking to that one time. Yeah, that was the one. <laughs> uh, said something like he says, you know, that there's there um, one of the th- sad things about hospitals is, you know, yes, there are people suffering, but that there's wasted suffering, meaning mm-hmm. they weren't offering it up for uh, for others, and because everyone suffers. Um, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, I, I, I've heard that before, but I have no uh, idea who you're talking there, about. There's a lament about, about, you know, but anyway, so we have the little things in our lives that actually, if embraced and offered, are really amazing. And Absolutely. we forget that there are small heroic moments mm-hmm. that we choose <laughs> every day. Yeah. Right? I mean, just simply, uh, you know, getting up, but, but saying, okay, what is this little thing? I was just talking to a friend, just had a, a men's meeting, and he was saying that he gave up. Uh, snacks through all of Lent. And he says, it, he thought it was going to be so small. He says it was so difficult to not have mm. any snacking between meals. And I said, think that's really difficult. And, and, and well, he thought it was a small thing. He's like, I don't snack that much. And he says, and, yeah. and, he, and he said, but because it was that little bit of hero, heroism, but it was so consistent, it was yeah. painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it made it a great, <laughs> great, great Lent for him, he said. You know, Jose Maria Escriva, um, Saint Jose Maria Escriva, has just so many great sayings, and he had such a heart for the laity. So I just want to give you this quote. He says, each day be conscious of your duty to be a saint, a saint. And that doesn't mean doing strange things. It means a daily struggle in the interior life and heroically fulfilling your duty right through to the end. Mm. You know, like, and I just want to just give this example. Uh, First of all, we talked to so many young parents who I think, and I think, I don't think I realized this when I was a young parent, you don't realize so much of the sacrifice that is built right into just being a parent with young children who physically take so much from you, which kind of spills over into emotionally what they take from you, you know, as well. Really don't waste those sacrifices that you are making to sit down and, you know, or to feed your baby, to uh, wake up in the middle of the night and comfort a crying child, to you know, be interrupted in your work when you know by someone needing something. Those are all like you were saying about like the wasted suffering. Like, don't waste those sacrifices. Yeah, you know, and just and for me, obviously, we don't have any babies in the house anymore, except when we're watching our granddaughters, right. <laughs> which is a great joy. And I'm reminded of the work that it is. Oh my yeah. goodness, I have, our granddaughters are two and one, basically two and a half and one, and. It is so much work. We're so tired yeah, when they leave. Yeah. It's you guys, all of you with young kids, you're just amazing. But for me, I will tell you, this is my death. It's like at the end, and this happens to me, and I need to offer this up as well. Like I'm sitting down, like at the end of the day, the house is clean. You know, I sit down and I have my, you know, glass of bourbon got and your I'm just blanket on. I've got my blanket, I'm curled up on the couch and I'm like ready to start reading a book. And it's 9 30, and I have a teenager comes in and says, Will you study with me? I cannot tell you. It's just like everything in me is like, yeah, no. Yes. (laughs) But it is just such a death to myself to say, okay. And sometimes, and there's many times where I really am crabby and I've had to apologize to my teens for my bad attitude because sometimes I do it, but then while I'm doing it, I'm like, (laughs) 
So you got to sacrifice with a good attitude. <laughs> I think that's yeah. kind of part of it. But um, but anyway, and I know we all have those things within our home that we can just offer up to the Lord. Um, and, and what we would propose um, is that you begin by submitting to each other, like looking at Lent as a time for you as a couple to submit to one another. and as, Like as you're discerning what you should do. Yeah, and, yeah. So, so as you're looking at how can I give, how can I serve, how can I um, make mm-hmm. sacrifices this Lent, you know, follow the Ephesians 5.21, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because if right. we're going to make this Lent uh, bear fruit in your lives, yeah. you need to submit to one another. You know, I mean, this is not a false chauvinism that someone has read into scripture that the man is head and and, and is over in a, um, a domineering way over his spouse. There is a mutual submission of spouses to mm-hmm. each other. Each, I, I, I'm all for distinct roles, but during right. Lent, this is about submitting to your, I mean, all our Christian life, I shouldn't say just mm-hmm. during Lent, but but really focusing in on that, you know, because when you were when you were single, you could do whatever you wanted, and and you wanted ways, to sleep on the know. floor, like for all of Lent. Hey, you could do that, you know, like some you did crazy stuff when you were I a did. single person, like during Lent, you Very know, rigorous and crazy, yeah. and pray whatever. for an hour a day, you know, like all of those kinds of things. I mean, you could you could do that, but as a married person, you got to go to your spouse and be like, help me discern what I should be doing this Because your spouse is somebody who ought to be, somebody who knows you intimately, someone who knows hopefully your boundaries and limits, um, as well as can challenge you, right? So this is somebody that you can lean on and say, as my um, closest spiritual director, right? <laughs> this is what I'm thinking about for Lent. This is what I'm looking at as as some sacrifices. And so you're really under authority, right? right? And, and so other. everybody in the world is under authority. Sure. And we just do we recognize it or not? You know, religious have an authority where right. they have to go to their superiors, and there and there's a blessing in that. I remember talking mm-hmm. to a friar one time when they got sent uh, where they didn't want to go. Yeah, and he says, "Yeah, but my holiness is found in this obedience." That's right. And because he knew he was aligning himself with God's grace in that. And then mm-hmm. for us as married couples, mm-hmm. it's aligning ourselves with each other. Neither one is dominating or domineering um, each other, but we're mutually submitting to each other and saying, you want me to be a good husband, a good father. You want me to be right. holy. Right. You want me to be a great Catholic. So this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I want. And submitting to each other mm-hmm. is a beautiful way to discern what you're going to be doing for Lent so that you are under that authority mm-hmm. and there's going to be more grace. There's going to, it's going to bear more fruit. Um, mm-hmm. it, it could be the same exact things that you would have decided on on your own, but when you submit them, yeah, it's a great humility. It's a great, um, there's energy involved in this. Yeah. And um, particularly, you know, if, if there is um, an opportunity for the spouses to challenge one another, if, if we're really open to this process mm-hmm. of, of this mutual submission, mutual humility, mutual vulnerability yeah. um, of saying, this is what I'm looking at and being like, really? But don't you already do that? You know, <laughs> you, you think that's going to help you? I mean, or do you push think yourself that's gonna, a little more? Yeah. Maybe they're going to challenge you and be like, really? You, you think you can only do five push-ups? I don't know. What <laughs> I don't know. This. Or, or maybe it's, you know, I think that's too much, honey. Yeah. You know, I think that's going to take you away from the kids and family. And we're going to kind of, we're going to go through different commitments and give you some ideas as well. If you're like, hmm, let's, let's think of some creative things to do uh, for Lent, you yes. know, this, this year. So, um, so anyway, so this whole first part of the podcast is basically what we're trying to say is that 
Serving your family is your first priority in your path to holiness. And anything that takes away from your service to your family is, you know, you have to realize that that's an easy discernment. Right. So, and, and to discern this with your spouse. So let's go to the three pillars of Lent outlined by... St. Peter Chrysologus. I'm letting Mike say that. And I'm going to always gonna, say it wrong. All right, you've done all the quotes. I'm going to do this one here. Um, so this is St. Peter Chrysologus about Lent. And and it's kind of a uh, what we have focused on in Canaan. This is from Mindy. a sermon that I did. Ser- yeah, a sermon that, that St. Peter Chrysologus gave, right? So he begins with prayer knocks at the door, fasting obtains, mercy receives. Bam. Prayer, mercy, and fasting, these three are one, and they give life to each other. Fasting is the soul of prayer. Mercy is the lifeblood of fasting. Let no one try to separate them. They cannot be separated. If you have only one of them or not all together, you have nothing. So if you pray, fast. If you fast, show mercy. Mm. If you want your petition to be heard, hear the petitions of others. If you do not close your ears to others, if you do not close your ears to others, you open God's ears to yourself. So listening to others, giving mercy. So it's like prayer, fasting, and mercy. You got to do them all. It's like powerful. According to St. Peter. <laughs> and again, you know, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is what you often hear at Lent, but there's something about prayer, fasting, and mercy that really resonates strongly with me. translation, I think. You it, know. It, it really is, and, mm-hmm. but, it, but it also is more applicable than to just put money in a coin box. Exactly, Because exactly. it's more about a gift of self uh, right. in mercy. And I think right. that fits more perfectly for children and for married couples. And unfortunately, there is some... Catholic organizations, unfortunately, some priests or pastors who I feel like don't give really good examples for fasting when they say, fast from being mean to others. It's like, I don't really think that's quite it, (laughs) what we're talking about. So that's another reason that we wanted to kind of give you these ideas and challenges and just to really think about. So just to kind of break down that quote a little bit. So in prayer, God speaks to the heart, right? of how to fast and be merciful. That's how we, and that's what God does in prayer. Then in fasting, we have a deeper insight into prayer. And fasting gives us a hunger for God flowing out in mercy. Like one thing I, I really thought about so much last year, because I, I gave up alcohol for Lent, which is a great thing to give up because it's not something necessary, but it's, you know, it's a sacrifice. And so, and anytime I was tempted, it would be like, am I... Um, is God my all? Is God my all? Do I do I need this or do I just really need more of God? It's that hunger for God when we hunger for something, you know, something that we enjoy. Well, that should increase our hunger for God. And then in mercy, we realize the gift of our relationship with God. And that affects and just flows out of all we do and just showing kindness to others and loving others. And so all of those things have to go together. So we're going to look at each one of those and kind of give you some creative ways in which you could consider these commitments that you'll be making. And I really think the best Lent is if you kind of like look at your Lenten commitments just really soberly with a great discernment with your spouse. And then when you hit, you know, Ash Wednesday or 
the first week of Lent, you're like, okay. We're ready to go. Here, we've Lock discerned and these and we're gonna, we're firm in our commitments. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through prayer, fasting, and mercy, as Alicia just said. Mm-hmm. And then each of these are going to actually have three subcategories that, that we came up with. Something for you personally, something for um, uh, your family. family, and something for you as a couple. And just to give you some ideas. And again, we're not going to, it's not going to be exhaustive, but we want to give you real practical ways of, of, of doing this for each one. So- um, you didn't say like the cool connection right, here so, with so, the three so, and the three. Come so yeah, on! I know I did. I got pretty pretty excited. He was like about all this. excited about this. So I'm, I'm a big. I, I believe in the rule of three, and so we have three things: <laughs> prayer, fasting, and mercy. And under each three, we have three. So there's three threes. So it's ninety, Nine, like Cain yeah, and ninety. 90. Yes. Come on, guys, see it. Isn't that cool? See, it's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> yes. Yes. Anyway, go ahead. But that was just for you. <laughs> All right, so uh, so starting with, starting with prayer. Okay, okay, the goal of prayer is to turn our hearts to God, right? It's it, you know one saint talked about it. It's like it's me gazing at God and God gazing back at me. When's so the last beautiful. time we had that? Sometimes I feel like as as parents, we forget that we can be a quiet. Like we go to mass and all we have are screaming children around us. <laughs> you know, and if that's you, raise your hand right now. If you go to Holy Family in Steubenville, <laughs> that is you. Yeah. We, we don't have children, but they're screaming children in the whole church. <laughs> and, and Holy Family, I think Batman named our church. Holy <laughs> Family. Anyway, but, um, or was that Robin, I guess, talking about it? Anyway, um, so, so anyway, but, but, but the idea of prayer Sometimes we get lost in our, our, our parenting. And yeah. there is, again, we want to embrace both the vocation that we have that makes our prayer maybe look different. Our prayer time may not be as much as we'd want, but I would challenge you to say, how are we taking time to invest in our spiritual life and the growth of that? So mm-hmm. so we're going to start, again, we'll go through this. Um, and do you mind if I, I switch the order and we do personal first? Mm-hmm. Um, so I know I was thinking about that. There's the, like every single one has a different order, so we can always do the personal one first. That's okay. good. I just thought that would be better. All right, so let's just start. <laughs> Not very with well you. organized uh, these so, show so, notes. So, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> We're good. We're good. Um, but but thinking about prayer, let's start with yourself because you can't give that which you don't have. And um, as a mom and a dad, you need to be so much both for your spouse but also for your kids. And so personal prayer time. You know, these are again just we're gonna we're gonna go through these and just to kind of prod you along. And in the Canaan 90, we actually have many more than even just yeah, these. Yeah, we have right? a lot of ideas in Canaan 90. Um, but, but we'll give you a handful right now. Personal prayer. Do you have a personal prayer time? You know, do you take time every day to just Connect. be quiet and mm-hmm. either read scripture or just be quiet with God or offer your intentions, your heart to the Lord? And if you haven't, don't have a prayer time, consider 15 minutes. Yes. And if you do have a prayer time, Maybe it's trying to get 30 minutes consistently, mm. you know, or maybe it's, you know, once a week you go and have a holy hour. You you take time, again, assuming you you have an adoration chapel well, or church. Well, I think church. that, yeah, assuming, please God, that you have a church available to you. But Sorry. I think I just want to say something about the holy hour. I think that especially when I had uh, a lot of babies, you know, a lot of little ones and my day was never the same and it was so hard to even get 15 minutes in to say, could I do one holy hour a week? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I could take a Saturday or even a Sunday. You know, Mike could watch the kids or maybe it's an evening time. 
where I would leave and have, and even if I couldn't do it every day, at least that one hour a week to set aside for the Lord. Give your strategy that you uh, did as a mom, as a busy mom, commuting kids around. What did you do for your oh, personal oh, right, right, time? Right. So, that wasn't scheduled. Because I think the ideal is that you scheduled time and you have a commitment that you both as spouses say, I'm going to support you and I'm going to watch the kids while you do your holy hour mom yeah. or half hour here or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah. what do you, when you were, so, uh, and so still uh, do sometimes, right? Yeah, I, so I have a, I bought a small New Testament and Psalms. And actually I have been through like three because I keep losing them. <laughs> a small New Testament. I think you're donating in, them to people who need them better. <laughs> there you go. A small New Testament and Psalms and a small journal. And I would just keep those in my purse or keep them in the car. And then when I would be like waiting in line for a kid, like, or, or I would try to get to like, if I had to pick up a child at 3.30, I try to get there at like 3.15 and sometimes just sit in the car, just sit in the car and pray and just have that available to me, you know, whenever, if I was doing errands without children in the car. But you know what? I would know people, even if they did have kids in the car, sometimes they would just take their children and just stop in at a church, you know, to pray. Or if the kids are, you know, if you have a movie on in your minivan or whatever, the kids are watching something while you're waiting you know, you take that time to pray. So there's sometimes you just have to be creative. Yeah, you have to be creative and, and just finding ways to make time and make space for God in your life because yeah. we need that, right? And maybe it's spiritual reading. You know, uh, we're big fans of Father Michael Gately and the 33 Days to Morning Glory and a Passionate Love. What's his... Uh, Merciful love. Merciful love, merciful mm-hmm. love. But there are some great books that maybe that will help you. In Conversation um, with God. Oh, I'm a big um, fan of that. Benedict, uh, Pope Benedict's book on pa- Jesus of Nazareth. And particularly the Passion is- one, the second one. <sighs> So amazing. Just so the, really the, just think about that. And maybe it's, you know, you're reading a page or two yep. a day. It could be a great way the to Consecration to St. Joseph. I'm just finishing up that book by yeah. Father Don Calloway. Really powerful. I'm really enjoying that too. And obviously- Daily mass, yeah. Mass, getting time for mass. And we've always gone to daily mass. I mean, off and on, but it, with no matter how many kids we had, we would almost always find time to go to daily mass. So, um, and family a daily prayer. rosary. You know, I mean, again, mm-hmm. a rosary, but you may want to do that with family. Yeah, I feel like that's that. a little bit more communal. Okay, so then how about let's do couple prayer? Okay, or should we do family prayer? We'll go do for family it. prayer. All right, family prayer. <laughs> um, family prayer. We always would make a commitment to do some kind of Lenten family prayer in the morning or in the evening. We have found morning or evening prayer from the breviary, from the Liturgy of the Hours, very helpful. On my computer, like I've created like all of these like abbreviated versions of morning prayer, like right. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we may Thursday, not do Friday. All the you know? Psalms, not that there's that many, but exactly. Sometimes family, we just do on one, uh, saying the Rosary as a family. We have Even, a Rosary app if you want to listen to it. Yes, Messy Family Rosary app. Messy Family Rosary app. That's Scriptural Rosary. You can do that. Sometimes if we would get to the end of the day and forget to do the Rosary. We, and we just started doing this actually about probably in the past year. We put all the kids to bed and we say the rosary. We just sit in the hallway and just pray the rosary. And have their um, doors open. So they hear us maybe yeah. if they're going to sleep, but we're kind mm-hmm. of praying as parents essentially over our kids. Yeah. Um, you can memorize scripture as a family. We've done that a lot uh, in different years, just posting a scripture like in a certain spot in your home on a whiteboard or around the kitchen table. Scripture's powerful. And just say that scripture, whether it's a passion scripture or um, something about repentance. You know, there's so many scriptures. I mean, you could just Google like Lenten scriptures. Right. And we have, we, we even have some uh, mm-hmm. that we should yeah. recommend. Read Bible stories. Uh, make sure you go to confession every week. And actually, the my absolute favorite prayer in Lent is Stations of the Cross. Oh, it's a family. Just, it's so beautiful. I just feel like it's not really Lent unless we do the Stations of the Cross, you know. And, and sometimes, 
you know, we would participate with our parish family. But sometimes there's just, we have conflicts, you know, we can't do it. And so we would just do stations at home. And we have a wonderful resource for you from Tan Books just came out with a Children's Stations of the Cross written by my sister, Regina Doman. So we highly recommend Tan's book. It is, I I can't even describe it because it's a podcast, but it is beautiful. It has pictures for the kids to look at, be engaged in. There are prayers, there are explanations, very, very bite-sized, very accessible. So one of the things that we will offer to you, and I have to put it up, so I'll do it right after we're closed down this, this, this show, you can get it right from us. So we ordered a bunch of them and we'd be happy to share those with you. They're great, great little Lenten books for kids. We'll put a, an image up and uh, you can get them online. Sorry, I didn't want to. If you do Canaan 90, if you get a Canaan 90 book, you want to have them both? They go they go out together? W- whatever, sure, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, but Stations of the Cross, another, th- another idea as far as stations is that there are stations coloring pages that um, we've made available to people. And also like uh, some years we have just purchased just like the pictures of the Stations of the Cross and then posted them like around our house when our kids were really young. And so we would just like walk around the house and yeah. do the stations. I think it was really beautiful. And and actually, because last year with the pandemic, that's yeah. we've done it because our family needs, but we also know that there are many churches that aren't necessarily doing them. Let's Go not to, let that um, opportunity pass us by. Um, I, the website, Catholic to the Max, our friends, mm-hmm. the Nelsons, they have stations that you can buy. Yeah, 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 They're yeah, either yeah. metal or you can buy paper ones in the house, or you can even put them outside, you know, and walk around. So anyway, so Stations of the Cross, it's just the best. So that was personal, then family. And the final type of prayer is is couple prayer. And we have a whole podcast about praying as a couple, but some of the little things that we have done um, at different times throughout our our lives, and this is a good habit, but, um, and again, you could do this on your own, but it's beautiful to be able to have an act of contrition where you're you're doing it privately, but you're you're encouraging each other. You're saying, hey, at the end of our day, and, and something that we try to do is maybe... Thanks at the end of the day. And I do this with our kids and I do this a little bit as a, as a couple. Give thanks for something from this past day and we examine our conscience. We do an act of contrition. And ask forgiveness of each other. And ask forgiveness of each other at it's, the end of the day. It's a great thing to do even not during Lent. That's right. Um, but then there's also litanies of humility, a litany of trust that you could commit yeah. to praying together or intercessions, asking each other how to pray for each other, like praying, commit to praying for each other. All throughout Lent, and that's whether it's in the evening. I, I yeah. always find that it's I'm I as a communal prayer, whether it be as a couple or as a family, mm-hmm. I end up doing it more in the evening, where my personal prayer is more in the morning. That's right. the way my rhythm has been. But maybe you want to start your day with, "Hey, what can I pray for you for this day with your spouse?" Maybe that's you know something. What's so funny is that Lent. in earlier in our marriage, when we had a lot of little kids. We used to pray in the mornings. You know, that was our family prayer. Was always in the morning because they were rushing around getting them to bed. It was just it's like the witching hour sometimes with little kids in the evening. It's just like a bad time. (laughs) But anyway, you know, everybody's at different places in their um, parenting journey. We'll say okay. So second pillar: fasting. Fasting. So why do we fast? We fast to subordinate our flesh to our will. And like I said before, make yourself really hungry for God. That's right. You know, fasting is also kind of making yourself do something that you don't want to do, you know? And it's removing a good, you know, because like I was saying before about the example of giving up alcohol for Lent. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with alcohol. Alcohol's not bad, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but but removing a good to train our wills, 
to train our wills, to learn how to say no to ourselves. We're very familiar with helping our children train their wills, you know, like when we have our little ones, like your toddler saying no to you, right? You need to train their wills and teach them how to say, yes, I know you don't want to do this. I know you don't want to get in the car right now, but we need to go. You're training their wills. We need to do that to ourselves too, right? We need to train our own wills. And so, so remember that, uh, with uh, fasting without prayer is not really the same. It doesn't have the same spiritual effect. So if the, one of my friends said, fasting without prayer is dieting. So fasting from food without prayer is dieting, right? And so it's like, <laughs> yeah. no, that's we're not really dieting. We're really training our wills. And that's why the prayer, fasting, mercy kind of all has to go together. So it's like a, a muscle that you have to develop and then replace it with good things. So let's talk about personal fasting, right? Okay, so here's some great ideas of things that aren't necessarily bad. So like avoiding the use of internet without a clear purpose, like not allowing yourself to go on and just kind of like look through things, right? Limit your social media. Instead of, um, you know, hey, giving people a thumbs up or a, a like on their post, take time to send them a text, or write a note or send them a card or give them a call or say, hey, let's get together, you know? So, and just basically better u- using your time better. Um, one thing that is, I've thought, I've felt is really good to do that has fed my soul is listen to less music. Yeah. And I, there was one Lent where more I silence. just had more silence whenever I was driving the car, because I have always you know, this kind of need to be listening to a podcast or to be listening to music or whatever. But instead I just like, nope, I'm just going to have nothing just quiet in the car. You know, it's a little thing, but it's right. taking away that good just to really think more about God. And again, it creates that kind of sense of hunger, right? And then, then think about the family. Going to no video games maybe, or have particular days where there's no video games, depending on where you're at, right? Again, this whole idea of removing something that isn't necessarily... Mm-hmm. evil or wrong, uh, although some video games, you know, maybe. Um, <laughs> but but maybe it's, it's, it's giving that fasting up so as to play board games together, spend mm-hmm. more time together on communal, communal activities. No, maybe no movies or maybe only on the weekend or only on Sundays. And maybe it's only when you're together. Right. Maybe, maybe you log out um, as a family out of all social media or log out of Netflix or Amazon. All their or streaming services. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe- That kind of makes it happen. Right, because you you're know? fasting, you're removing something, right? But you right. also want to put it back in. So maybe you listen to audiobooks as a family or you right. read together, right? Um, maybe you eat some things that you don't prefer, right? You eat less of some of the things that you really enjoy mm-hmm. um, or have less condiments on things. Um, the, 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 again, as a family, knowing what's age appropriate, knowing what the fasting guidelines, depending on the age of your kids. And if you're, um, you're a pregnant mom or, you know, there's different, you know, exceptions always, to that. Yeah. I've always felt that trying to have like more plain meals, you know, like plain meals, maybe on a Wednesday and bread and water on Friday and for little kids to have bread and water, one meal, you know, isn't going to kill them because we always would have cheese have or something like that too. <laughs> good bread, cheese. 
Um, but just having something like rice and beans. Really, I, the way I would think about it is that trying to be in solidarity with the poor of the world who this is what they live on right. every day. Right. I remember you would just you do know? like beans and rice and uh, that, mm-hmm. that, that, I don't know, that just struck me. That, the, very not that they soup. are wonderful, actually. You know, <laughs> you, um, but, but, but thinking about fasting and how to train the hearts and, and bodies of our children to right. come alongside us in this. And if you have teenage boys... Uh, this is the time when they really should, I mean, for any teenager, to be very honest, but particularly for boys, yes. where this could be a great opportunity to introduce them to fasting um, and what that really looks like as a man of virtue. And maybe so maybe true. you as a dad have never done it. Maybe your kids need that kind of a witness and maybe you can join with them. And it's I not going like- to be easy if you've never done it before, but it's probably going to bear much fruit for you and your relationship with your kids. I feel like fasting is such a manly thing to do because it's subduing like the body. I think physical, um, physical sacrifice, men are so physical, you know, and, and for young teenage men who are not used to saying, or they're just kind of getting used to their bodies and and their will and their appetites, you know, which are growing exponentially at this, you know, with this flood of testosterone that's coming over them to fast and to say no to their appetites is really, it's really, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm about to keep going. Is right. Yeah, uh, go ahead. All right. So I was going to jump into a couple. Yes, uh, couple. Time, mm-hmm. A couple fasting. First is is recognizing that your desire as a spouse is to support your spouse, yeah. or support your 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 husband or wife, and the commitments that they have made. Because sometimes their fasting commitments are going to be difficult, and they're going to want to give up, or they're mm-hmm. going to want to fudge, or they'll forget. Now you can't be nagging somebody, but if they made the commitment you can be there to be the encouragement and support that they need because it, it yeah. might get challenging. Assuming they chose that uh, a more rigorous, uh, whatever <laughs> their their commitment would be, but let's just say it was exercising, but really helping to figure out, or it's time finding time for prayer. Maybe that you're going to go out of your way to support them in that. And I remember there was this one couple we were talking to or no, we, we've, we've even said this at, at points, you know, Netflix is ruining our love life of, you know, maybe there's times <laughs> when you as a couple default to, we're so exhausted at the end of the day, right. we just put the kids to bed. The house is finally clean and I just want to collapse and I want to just veg stream out. something, veg, yeah. veg out, which isn't always the worst thing. But it's probably not the best thing either. Yeah. And maybe during Especially Lent. Especially as a habit. Yeah. And you know? maybe during Lent, this is a time for you to be able to say, hey, I want to unplug from just our default and yeah. shake things up a little bit yeah. so that we are going to fast from just streaming. Our, our default being, we're going to watch something <laughs> to, I'm going to watch you. I'm right. going to have a conversation <laughs> with my wife. I'm going to have a conversation right. with my husband. Anyway, that that's a, a thought there. And last thought is that, which was, I don't know who put this down. Did you put this I just, down? I just put it down. Yeah, he, are you trying to tell me something? It's just subtle hints. <laughs> he put down it. staying within budget. And that is, and I know there have been several times during Lent where we've said no eating out, no no fast food, right. you know, and you can really use that time to save money, you yeah. know, and be really strict with yourself with a budget if, if, if that's something that you... Yeah. Well, well, if you're not disciplined, that's when we, you should do it probably. You know, I, I just thought of this from the family board meeting. One of the couples brought up that they they recognize that they are, they're not going to bed at the same time and they don't have time for each other. So they, they one of their commitments, yeah. and it was outside of Lent, but commitment was to go to bed at the same time. Yeah. So they actually can talk before they go to bed as opposed to working on stuff or 
spending all the XYZ. Especially when people are workaholics. I kind of yeah. t- tend to be a workaholic. And so sometimes it's like, no, nope, I'm not doing I'm not doing work after a certain yeah. time. Yep. And that's the way it is. All right. All right. Last one. We gotta wrap that right. up here. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Okay, um, why is mercy so important? Because showing mercy to others is really it's it, it's the fruit of your prayer and fasting. I mean, again, they all kind so of if play. you're doing prayer and fasting and you're super crabby, yeah, no, it doesn't work like that's that. That's not working, right? <laughs> because you need to be able to see it. Like it's like if you are happy, then tell your face, you know. Uh <laughs> So, so we've got to make sure that our prayer and fasting is bringing joy to the world. And, and again, where do we bring this mercy? What does that look like? We're, we're, doing, we're, we're trying to live mercy because we want a deeper communion with God and our neighbor. Yeah. And God is love. God is mercy incarnate. And so we are trying to bring him more fully into our lives. And the best way, and I, I'm, I've thought about this so many times, that being a dad for me and being a husband by doing this, by loving, by giving of myself, I have received so much more mm. than I've given. Mm. But it also is transformative to me as well as to others. This is the economy of God, that when we are giving ourselves away, it's then that that person is strengthened, but so are we in the process. And God wants all of us to be built up. Yeah. And that is how we show mercy. Mercy is flowing from our prayer and our fasting, but it's about giving ourselves away, right. first and foremost to our spouse, and then to our children, and then the rest of the world. Right. But you can't be, you know, we've used this analogy before, and I heard it when I was a kid, kind of just learning about the Christian life, that it was the, uh, the Dead Sea has one way in and no way out. And everything is dead around it. Yeah. Where other rivers that flow, the River Jordan, there's abundance and teeming life, or you know, the Nile, and it's just flowing mm-hmm. from one end and it's giving out on the other. Yeah. And that's when life is produced. And that's what mercy really is. So Yeah, because if you're doing prayer and fasting and then you're like a sourpuss and you're giving everybody a hard time. That's just not what God would ask from you. So, all right, so let's look at mercy um, on a personal note, like ways that you can show love to others. You know, like give, like I was saying before, give notes of affirmation. Our, our, five, our five-year-old, goodness, our eight-year-old Claire, she, she said to me actually the other day, this is how, she's just so like, this is my need. She was like, mom, can you write a note like I love you, Claire. Can you write a note and put it in my in my lunch for me? <laughs> kind of like, can you surprise me with the note? I was actually surprised she didn't like write the note herself, you know. But I'm like, yes, yes. I don't know why that just like irks me when she's like, love me, love me. But it's like, but, hey, but she's, it, she's honest and she can say she can verbalize it. Yes, right? she can verbalize it, and so. So anyway, maybe it's a note to your eight-year-old or 10-year-old or whoever. Or your spouse. Yeah, or your spouse. I remember spouse. you used to do that for me, actually. Yes. And I never yes. asked you for it, just yes, to be clear. Right. Well, thank you. <laughs> but even um, personally, calling relatives who need encouragement. Maybe you have an aunt, an uncle, you know, grandparents, parents, you know, brothers, sisters. Taking that time. Like, when do we call people and just be like, how are you doing? I just want to check yeah. in with you. And then, of course, there's just serving the poor. You know, um, the poor, like in your home, whether it's giving to a soup kitchen, bringing extra granola bars around and giving them out to people that you see who need them, or, you know, there's so many ways in which that we can really bring that mercy, that love of God first within our home, but then to other people around us. Just knowing that if, if we all are called not only to have our faith 
be something that transforms us, but it's supposed to transform the world. We're supposed to take what we're given and, and share it with others. Yeah. And maybe you have a lot of kids at home and you can't go out and serve the poor, but you can instill on a personal level, maybe you can, or you can at least instill that deep sense, which is where we're going to transition to kind of our family mm-hmm. uh, showing of mercy, mm-hmm. is that maybe it's creating this attitude within your home that there are poor. Maybe it's part of your fasting, but it's also saying, and this is, we're going to collect a little bit of money and give to the poor, or mm-hmm. we're going to pray for the poor. And that when that family is older and their kids are, are of age, they can go to the soup kitchen together. You're creating, because um, again, we have we have families at all these different you know times, if you will, of, or age ranges of their kids. We all have to show mercy, and so maybe you can go as a family to mm-hmm. serve the poor. You know, I just thought of a great. I th- put the seeds in too. Sorry. I just thought of a great idea, um, which maybe we should try to do in this. If you have a box like in your kitchen or somewhere that says food for the poor, mm-hmm. and then when your kids are packing their lunches or whatever, if they would like to take a certain granola bar, or they want a certain thing, say to give them that option, maybe not even say it to them, but just that it's there and say, all right, well, how maybe as a sacrifice, you could take that that you want to take for yourself and put it in the box of the poor, and then you take something that you would like a little less, you know? Oh, so just wow. kind of like wow. uh, giving that them that opportunity. Very tangible, yes, easy th- way. that opportunity to say, you know what? I could take this right now, or I could just put it in here and, and give it to the poor, and then I'll take an apple or you know something else that I don't want as much. Just right. a thought. Yeah, no, that's mm-hmm. beautiful. And, and, and again, we, um, we jumped to the poor outside of the home first and kind of a talking about this, but you started with the, the notes of affirmation, so I should, you know, even in family, right? You're, the first place you show mercy is within your home. And so it's, it's feeding the hungry at your table as mm-hmm. a mom, but also teaching your kids how do they show mercy? What does that look like in right. your home? Or how do they invest in each other in giving themselves away? Right again, mm-hmm. age appropriate. You know, you, you don't expect a, a two year old to be sharing. Okay, that's not what we're talking about here. But as your kids are older, really, as they edge towards the age of reason, this is when they can begin having at least behaviors, if not movements of the heart, mm-hmm. where they're being merciful, where they are loving and giving of themselves, mm-hmm. and. Um, but you you have to model it. So like little something that you may want to consider for your family is greeting them. How do you greet them in the morning? Do you greet them with love and hugs and smiles or mm-hmm. get your lunches together, get out of the door, where's your shoes? You know, yeah, which but is just the like normal kind of routine. Making that, commi- <laughs> making that commitment and saying, okay, every morning I'm going to greet each child with a, a hug, uh, with a smile and a hug, right. you know? Right, right. And then again, thinking of mercy, it, it could be something as simple as saying, you know, I want to show mercy um, in a very tangible way and reading to my kids every night. Right. Um, I want to spend special time with them. Have you ever done special time? If not, this is a great time to say, you know what? I'm actually going to make that part of my Lenten commitment that I want to have special time. 10 minutes a day with every child. Right. Or, or once a mm-hmm. week in a special way or, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. Right, right. Or as a family, mm-hmm. saying, we, when's the last time we had game night? What, mm-hmm. One of the couples from this past weekend, again, sorry, I keep coming back to this, but <laughs> said, you know, we want to we want to bring joy back to our family, mm. um, and that was yeah. that's something powerful. Mercy flows when there is joy. Joy yeah. is the net that saves souls. I think that's that's what Mother Teresa said. Same right, Mother Teresa Calcutta. And sometimes I know for me that that is a real sacrifice because I don't want to do game night. I'd rather sit and read a book by myself. I'd rather go and play piano by myself. But saying like, nope. I'm going to choose to play with my children instead. That's right. You know, that's that showing mercy. And then the 
the most important people to show mercy to, other than our children, is your spouse. So, hey, here's some quick ideas. Ask your spouse what habit they would want you to break. You know, make a point to greet your spouse just like you would greet your children. You know, at the end of the day, you know, kiss them before they leave and when they come home. You know, commit to a weekly date night. Read a book together. Say, we're going to read this out loud to each other. Ask them how they, how you can serve them every week. What can I do this week that would make your life easier? You know, and that small act of kindness that's going above and beyond, that's a great way to show mercy to your spouse. So I'll wrap it up. Yeah. So again, th- this this Lent, um, invest in your marriage and your family. It's going to look different for everybody. Everyone's right. at different places and that's okay. But the best advice we can give you is discern that with your spouse. Discern that with somebody who you've made a lifelong commitment to. And if you happen to be a single parent, find somebody you can actually trust because I think it's, it's, it's good to be in, even if you're not married, to have community that challenges you, that loves you, that supports you, mm-hmm. that is there walking with you. And let's not forget that this Lent is about becoming closer to God and giving of ourselves more fully to those who God has placed in our lives, mm-hmm. which begins with our spouse and our children. So right. prayer, fasting, and mercy. Do it. <laughs> Start talking about it now. That's awesome. And if you want, if you want to sign up for Cana ninety, you can do so. Yes. at our website, we'll link that below. At Cana ninety, we do have. Uh, did we say this already? We have the printed book that goes along for the ninety days for the Easter yep. and and Lent, uh, and also those stations, the cross book. If you want them, they'll all be linked below. If you want to become a member and see some of our great uh, date nights that we're going to be having, as well as other resources, mm-hmm. uh, that'll be linked below as well. Yeah. And, and yeah, we love hearing from you. And I, I we, we, we've gotten a number, Alicia mentioned in a previous podcast that she loves seeing images. We've gotten a number of, of photos, both email yes, and in the you. mail. <laughs> um, Kimberly, I, I know, and I, I can think of a couple of others that have sent in beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful images. It's great to see. Um, Your uh, smiling faces. All the messy families out there. <laughs> all right. Well, hey. Um, oh, maybe, we got to pray. Yeah. Why don't you pray? Sure. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for all of the families listening to our podcast right now. We ask that you bless their Lent as we get ready for this journey of walking with you towards your passion and death and resurrection. We ask you to just send your Holy Spirit to help each one of us to really grow closer to you, to grow closer to your church, and so we can really learn more about who you have called us to be as Catholic families. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.